Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Finally decided that we're going to do a long weekend retreat because everyone's been asking us and we just wanted to find the perfect place. So we did. Yeah. And I think it's nice because there's something about doing a four night, three day retreat that makes it a little bit more accessible to everyone when a full week away can be tough. Totally. And, you know, we really decided to do it this time on just so many of the themes that feel alive in our work with our clients and what the, you know, the conversations we're having in our group work with clients um, around the shift in what's happening right now in the collective. Yeah. And what's happening for women. And I think it's a really unique moment in history that we're living through. You see it in so many of the conversations that are happening with, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, the way we're really challenging these patriarchal structures that we talk about constantly and how much the level of discontent and, mm-hmm. um, knowing that something needs to change within my life, but what does that look like even knowing it, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are coming to us in a therapeutic setting and they're telling us that they're feeling, you know, overwhelmed, resentful, disillusioned with their life, disconnected, right? That they're struggling to really identify kind of what is theirs and what is social programming, that they want something different and bigger from their lives, but they're not really sure, like, how, what does that look like and how do I get there, right? Yeah. So we want to create a long weekend where we're going to give you some of the tangible tools that we have incorporated into our own lives that we're working with and the clients that we work with and really what it looks like to start to embody the rise of the feminine principle that we know this moment in history 
sort of prophesized to be about for all of us, right? Hell yeah. So we're also going to walk away really understanding what it means um, to envision our life with a real authentic sense of clarity, with purpose, with aliveness. We're going to have no apologies here, right? We're going to also break down some of the limiting beliefs and where they come from, right? So we're going to get into the upbringing component. Um, why and where is all of this highly codependent, patriarchal, misogynistic kind of, um, you know, approach to life? Like, why are we carrying this, right? It's really important for us to understand and break that down. Yeah. So we're calling it the return of the sovereign feminine. It's going to be in Malibu, California, the most beautiful estate, January 18th through 21st. And we're just really excited about this one. It feels really close to our hearts. Yeah. So you can click on either of our bio links on Instagram or social, um, or you can go to my website, vanessabena.com uh, backslash retreats, and you can check out all information there. I can't believe we're already basically in the middle of November. How is that possible? Seriously. But the end of the year means it's about time we get our Astrology Hub 2024 Astrology Blueprint. Yep, totally. And since each year presents its own unique blend of opportunities and challenges, Astrology Hub's free 2024 Astrology Blueprint offers you a lay of the land from what themes you can expect to emerge in the world, as well as the shifts they may affect you in your personal life. Mm. Their free guidebook includes a thematic overview of the year ahead, potential opportunities and challenges to look out for, and major transits broken down in easy-to-understand language and journaling prompts for reflection. The blueprint is astrologer-backed, chock-full of practical wisdom and key dates to look out for, and will give you concrete advice on how to work with the major energies of 2024. Personally, I'm planning on using the free guidebook to navigate love, career, and self-growth in the year ahead. If you're interested, you can find out more and sign up for your free guidebook at astrologyhub.com backslash 2024 guidebook. And if you have questions that you want some deeper astrological guidance on, check out Astrologer Connect at astrologyhub.com backslash astrologer connect and easily book a reading for the future or connect instantly with your matched astrologer. Plus, from now until December 25th, you can use code therapy15 for 15% off an astrology reading. It's such a fun holiday gift idea for yourself or for friends. <laughs> nope. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Vanessa just asked me if I have my glasses. I'm like, of course not. That would make life way too easy. Oh, I asked her if she wanted to read the next question. And of course I said, do you have your glasses? Because she no, never honey, has her I glasses. <laughs> Is that my underfunctioning? Just knowing that you'll wear your glasses for me. Lesson. I genuinely forget them. I can't forget them because then I wouldn't be able to see. So it's a little bit different for me. But you and John both, I'm always like, where are your glasses? It's like you can see just enough that you don't have them on, but you need them. No. And you know what? Last time we went to dinner and he couldn't see the um, the menu, I was like, too bad. I'm not overfunctioning for you. You're going to be awful hungry when you can't read that menu. <laughs> I was like, I'll have some iceberg lettuce and water. Thank you. Nope, not going to function. That, right? <laughs> maybe next time you learned your lesson. Maybe next time you'll bring your classes. That's, that struggle is real. This is out. Yeah, uh, that's hard. Okay. Do you want to read the well, question? I think I can still read it. Would you like me to? You know why you can read it? Because you can zoom in on your phone. <laughs> don't You're think right. I don't know this trick. <laughs> All right. Someone wrote in and asked, 
What advice would you give to someone who is ready for a new relationship after a long post-divorce hiatus, but whose dial may be turned too high on, quote, getting it right, whether that be uh, terminating or proceeding (laughs) with the relationship? To elaborate, understanding about attachment styles, codependency, sexual needs, etc. has been useful on my journey, yet also feels overwhelming in the context of a new relationship. How do you think about these frameworks in the early stages to determine compatibility? Is there one element you found to be more critical than others? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like good. Good job, by the way. Good reading. Um, Thank you. <laughs> good reading today. Good reading. Good job. Um, we're saying to my six-year-old, "That's why you're here over there." <laughs> I feel like in some way or another, I hear this a lot in the groups that we lead, right? So for those listening who don't know, we have a private online community where we run groups every week and people are so open and honest and just in there all with the same kind of goal, right? To like be seen, do the work. And it's amazing. And we have amazing conversations. I mean, I see this on my social media comments as well, but people are overwhelmed by the information sometimes, you know? Um, I mean, shit, even I'll say I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm not going to lie. Like I won't put myself above this by any means. I mean, there have been multiple times in couples therapy, like my partner's also a therapist. So you want to talk about like overanalyzing the shit out of things. I have been in couples therapy multiple times and she has been like, all right, both of you stop talking, stop talking and look at each other. Just shut up. And turn towards each other and stop talking because we'll be like, well, and the attachment style and the this and the that. And she's like, oh my God, stop. You know? So I, I get that on a personal kind of level as well. Like, I think we can overanalyze it. I think there's, there's this idea of like paralysis by analysis that happens. I think we can get bogged down by language and by theory. Um, and you know what that what that couple therapist does is really like cut through the mental stuff and get back into the body, right? By like looking at each other and kind of recalibrating our nervous systems, we're dropping below the like logic and the knowing and the you know terminology, and we're getting back into like felt sense. So all that to say, I get it personally, um, and it's a struggle. It's hard. It's like you know all this information that we have nowadays and social media and the internet. It's a blessing and a curse, right? It's amazing that we have such access to such unlimited information. And also human beings aren't actually supposed to know all and everything all the time. So it can be a little bit of a curse too. Yeah. I think that, well, it's interesting. I've been listening to a lot of Ram Das the last couple days, um, just, you know, supportive of like everything that's happening in the world. And I mm-hmm. feel like I've been so comforted. Like he was, talking about in terms of like when it feels like the world is on fire, how do we come back to our hearts? But he was talking about how quite often we will use the rational mind as a way of defending against heartbreak. And I think that that's really true in our relationships and in love, right? Like I just like, here's what I'm going to do and what I can like put in, in terms of procedures to keep myself safe. And then you won't be able to hurt me. And good luck, you know, like it, it, it doesn't work that way. There's nothing more vulnerable than attempting to be in relationship with another person. And we can't do it without opening ourselves up to being hurt. Um, 
And I think the thing is really saying like, how do I hold this as if I can't get it wrong? And mm-hmm. that no matter what, there's going to be information and I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow and I'm going to expand. And that's sort of the point, right? Um, but yeah, I think there's a way, and I say this about a lot of the parenting experts and no shade. I think like, I'm very grateful for a lot of the information that is out there on the interwebs about like, you know, how to parent compassionately and in a present way. And what I find so often from parents is that there's like an analysis paralysis of like, I'm just so terrified of not speaking the script correctly to my child. And then I'm going to screw up my child or, you know, having the wrong response in a moment when I feel overwhelmed and doing permanent damage. And I'm kind of like, you're gonna, you know, like you're going to be human with your child. I think attempting to model perfection is actually not that supportive of your child feeling Mm -hmm. like they don't have to be perfect in order to be worthy of love. And so I would suggest more like being in the space of radical acceptance of like, when I fall short, when I do something that I'm not proud of, how do I create a repair knowing the ruptures are inevitable, but when that comes up, how do I like speak to it and be in the space of conversation around that? And I think that's really true of, being in relationships, um, in a, like in a new relationship space, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is scary. How do I allow myself to speak to that with that person and their capacity to meet me there be really useful information in terms of like, whether or not this person is someone I want to journey forward with in relationship, you know? Yeah. And I also think that, you know, what you were saying about it protecting us, like our logical, rational mind protecting us against getting hurt. I mean, what came up for me, it was like, yeah, because inevitably, without fail, every time our couple therapist does say to look at each other, I start crying, right? And so I think that this idea of protecting ourselves, you know, it's great to have this information. I also think that when you're in those early stages of dating, um, this idea of compatibility, I mean, listen, do you guys have similar goals and similar visions and similar dreams for the future? Like all of that is important, obviously, you know, what's the chemistry like, like, what is, what is the kind of, um, you know, are you drawn to this person? Cause that can give you information too. All of that's important. But I also believe that sometimes, um, when you're in a state of conflict or whether in a state of you're in a state of overwhelm, um, you know, maybe the fear of, of this relationship has gotten like maybe you're an anxious, more anxious attachment and you're finding yourself really flooded because this person hasn't called you back. Right. Um, that's all great. Like that's all where the information is, too. So, yeah, it's awesome to read the books and have the language and the vernacular. But how about actually paying more attention to what's coming up for you when you're in a state of activation um, and allowing that to be more of the the driver of like, does this feel um, like something I can continue with? Right. Because how do you then approach this person? Are they receptive to hearing you? Um, Do they hold space for you when you're having a conversation with them about what came up for you? Uh, You know, or do they shut you down? Right. A lot of that, like, air quote compatibility, it's hard to even see that until we allow ourselves to be in these moments of overwhelm. And sometimes I think we use the logic to keep ourselves from these places of overwhelm. Do you know what I'm saying by that? So it's almost like you're blocking the actual information you need to know if this is compatible or not. Oof. 
Yeah, I think we can rationalize our way into anything mm-hmm. or like into or staying in something. Well, yeah, but I yeah. think that like um, our friend Rainier Wild um, wrote something the other day that I thought was so smart where he was basically saying like, there's a lot of ways that we have made doing the work quote, like a way that we're like bypassing something that has expired and that like, yeah, you know, like, it's like, well, this person has a lot of trauma and like, this is like, you know, I'm obviously minimizing and like not articulating what I mean when I say this, but basically like, we're not paying attention to that. I am in a constant state of like, what is legitimately like a trauma bond with this person? Mm -hmm. I feel flooded. I feel in a constant state of fight or flight. I have no peace, but we're in here. We're doing the work. (laughs) Like, and, and here's what I understand about like where this is activating my anxious attachment. And maybe it's my work to like shame myself into like calming that. And it's like, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe maybe like you're not compatible. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's not. And that's only for you to say. And again, I think we'll get there when we get there and Mm -hmm. we need to do that for as long as we need to do that. And there's no shame in that. I think a lot of times it's like, oh, I should have known better. And I'm shaming Mm -hmm. myself for getting it wrong. You can't get it wrong. But I do think there is something in, it's okay too, to want to like be around someone where like who this person is just like, I feel like I'm the best version of myself most of the time. Of course, life's not perfect. Of course, stuff comes up with human beings and other human beings. But I think, you know, I just went to New York and I was like around all of these people that I was like, God, like who you are in this life and in this world makes me want to rise, makes me want to be a better version of me. And I think that like should be a little bit more of like what we strive for in the Mm -hmm. relationships that we surround ourselves with. Like Nipsey Hussle said, like, if you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, you don't have a circle, you have a cage. And I think that there's something in like, pay attention to how you feel in people's Mm. presence. If you have to shrink yourself down or you're in this constant state of like analyzing yourself or fight or flight or whatever, like that's some information too. And it's not that you're doing it wrong. It's just like, maybe use that as like, is that how I want to feel? Yeah. Yeah. And also, and I, I I mean, I was going to say, I don't want to gender this, but I I have experienced it. I think uh, more from women to men. I do think that because so many of these conversations are being had amongst women. I mean, even in our groups, you know, it's definitely 80%, um, I would guess 80% women, um, that a lot of times I will kind of stand back and observe. And by the way, this is whether you're single or actually in partnership, even married people, Mm -hmm. they use this terminology as also a way to bash their partner Mm. or bash the people that they're dating, right? Um, Like they're not as far along as I am. They don't know as much as I do. They're not as advanced as I am. And um, again, I will say you might know the language. You might, you might have read some of the books. You might listen to the podcasts. But what are you doing with that information, right? Because is it, is it actually mind-body connection? Like, Because when, when we say do the work, it's not just reading the books, right? It's putting it into practice. And so you know, how are you reparenting yourself? What's happening for you when you're in a state of activation? Um, what, how do you speak to yourself? Is the language you use kind or do you, you know, do you beat yourself up often? Like I could go on and on of examples, but so often when I'm hearing people say that, um, I started walking away, especially in like kind of the married 
married couple realm. Um, my new thing is just like, I just won't participate in those conversations anymore where like the women stand around and they talk about how dumb and useless their husbands are. I'm like, I, I'm just not participating in this conversation anymore because again, as a therapist, this is kind of where I'm going. So you're on, you're on, follow me on this journey. y'all. <laughs> my point in the original part of it is <clears throat> what's your part in that? You standing around and talking about how dumb they are, how, you know, how idiotic they are, how they don't know as much as you. And yet you're standing here, at least in this example, in a partnership that you're not satisfied with, shit talking, clearly not feeling super great about yourself, about your partner, about where you're at in your life. And all you're doing is weaponizing your air quote knowledge against this other person. Well, how is that helping you? Because clearly you're not happy. You're not satisfied, right? And so my 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 kind of way of saying I'm not going to participate in it anymore is like, it's really hard for me. Maybe it's just because I'm a therapist to not turn around and look at somebody and say, so what's your 100%? Like, what can you own in this situation? Because it's not, you know, you always say it's like you point one finger, you've got three pointing back at you. Well, it's just another way from my perspective that we have normalized like, the bonding that we do around like what's the word for this like you know it's like oh i hate my thighs <laughs> like it's like oh yeah i forget there's a term me. but it's like we connect on like the negative versus the positive there's a term for yeah. it we'll but like it's another way that we have started doing that like uh men are horrible and yeah. the patriarchy and and listen all of those things not men are horrible but like yes patriarchy is a problem men are wonderful i love the men um but what, to the point I think you were making, what is often like my struggle around some of these conversations is they're not sort of like in the realm of one, well, you are choosing to be with this person. Yes. And that reflects upon you. If all of those things that you are saying you believe to be true, then why are you with them? Mm -hmm. But also like, it's not really sort of taking ownership of like the space of like, okay, problem identified now what are we going to do about it and to me a lot Action. of times yeah it becomes like i am obsessed with like let's normalize if i don't feel like this person is my king or my queen or whatever that looks like or someone that i hold with unbelievable reverence for who they are then they're not my person mm. real talk like if that's not the way that you feel about someone let's normalize not partnering with them because I was saying to my friend the other day, like, I want to feel like everything about who this person is. Yes, he is my mm. king. I am obsessed with him. And if that is not the case, I am good. <laughs> like, it's just a very different frame for like, what is the bar of why we partner? But it's like, if this is the person that you are spending the majority of your time talking about why they're a problem to your point, that is about me really needing to get in relationship with why is that my choice then? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like my, 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 I guess, larger point in saying that is just, we weaponize the knowledge, right? We weaponize like, oh, I've done more work than this person, or I know more about it, or I've listened to the podcast, or I've read the books. And that's not the work. That's the precursor to the work. You know what I mean? And that's a little bit of an assumption we're making that I actually find working with couples is not actually the case. And here's what I mean. I think that we as women, because we are 
vocal and we are like in conversation about our feelings a lot of times with other women. Um, and it's just like so socially normalized for us to be talking about this stuff. We make assumptions about what men actually feel and are processing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and their emotional landscape that are actually not the truth. But one, nobody's ever asked them because a lot of the way they're socialized is to be in this stoic space of like, you don't talk about your feelings, but also it's like the way that we process things as women and the way that we hold things to be true, we sort of take as the baseline of this is gospel. And I mm. think that there are other things that can be true that we're not often open to when it's like we're having the desire for, like if we're speaking heteronormatively, the man in our lives to process things as a as a woman would. And that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. um, like we are in the space of constant expansion, constant, like seeking more, hungry for more, whatever, but that's a very like feminine circular energy. And a lot of times the like linear, and this is like the way that like, it's just a lot of times a different way that men are processing things and it doesn't make it wrong. It just makes it different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's a good point. Especially if, if you're listening and you know, like the person who wrote in, if you're looking at this from that, like heteronormative space or through that lens, um, giving space for those differences and realizing that not everyone's going to process things like you are. They're not going to take information like you are. Um, you know, they're not going to metabolize information like you are, uh, is something we have to be really aware of. And I feel so often can be a real hindrance in relationships to connectedness because we, and this, I mean, we could say this for everything. It's like, but this person's not me. Yeah, exactly. They're not you. They're, they're their own person. Right. Um, and one more thing I want to call out is that while I do look at my partner in many ways with reverence, he also pisses me off. So <laughs> I think we have to hold space for that reality of relationships because I think there can be a yes. And in that too, I do think that, um, it sounds lovely to be in a state of reverence 24 seven, but also there are nights when I haven't slept or things have happened and I don't hold anybody in reverence, including myself. Uh, Cause I, and you know, <laughs> I just don't here's think the thing that I've I'm always saying that animals, <clears throat> we don't strive for like the baseline of like how I want to hold things because I feel like I can't do it perfectly to uh, me saying like, I want to hold my man as like my that. King is not me saying like, I want him to like, be subhuman and perfect all the time. Of course not. But here's what I will say. I would never talk in about my partner in a way that I would not talk about him to his face in a way yes, that I used that to I agree when with. I was married. I would never do that again. And I see people do that constantly. And to yeah. me, that is not holding your partner as your king and with a level of reverence consistently. And that's something I think we need to normalize not doing. Like if you love this person enough to be in partnership with them, then I don't think you should say things about them to other people that you wouldn't say to their face. I agree. I agree. And boy, we can ask John about the times that I've come to him with my notebook and I've said, okay, here's some things I'm going to say that are going to be hard for you to hear, but I'm going to say them anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> to your face. <laughs> right to your face. And I'm writing them down because if I don't write them down and read them, I'm going to either forget them or I'm going to lose my kind of nerve in saying them. But God damn it, it's important to say. And so here we go. But yeah, I agree with you. Mm -hmm. And none of us are perfect. It's all the practice of like what we're working for, working toward and striving to be, you know, but I think like not 
feeling like we can do it perfectly is not a reason to not try to be better as human animals to like work towards something that we want to be ultimately you know yeah not feeling like we are not gonna be perfect is also a reason not to try like even dipping our toe in that water you know again this is that paralysis by analysis like this person i can't find anybody that's perfect so i'm just not gonna try at all and it's like no 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 that's also not doing the work right yeah Yeah. perfect for you right now (laughs) that's it Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.